Let us pray. Glory to God who has given us salvation in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Gracious and loving Father, we thank thee for this opportunity to gather in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and to share the truth of his word with others. We pray thee to bless us, send thy Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us, and bless all who are listening to this recording. Draw them into thy Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, hello, my name is Father Michael McKinnon, and I am the rector, the pastor of Holy Trinity Anglican Church in Marlboro, Massachusetts. And with me is Susan Thayer, who is one of our faithful parishioners, uh, faithful by God's grace, but that's true about all of us, and one of our faithful parishioners who is here with us. And we are going to be discussing today Within the greater topic of worship, we're going to be looking particularly at the vestments that the, um, the clergy, bishops, priests, deacons, and others, wear in most Anglican churches when serving during worship. And I am a newly deaconized wife. <laughs> <laughs> husband after 40 years of a profession in surgery, um, has been recently ordained deacon uh, in the Anglican Church uh, here at Holy Trinity. And I've come to, I've always loved the vestments, but I've come to realize I, I really need a fuller understanding of the meaning behind each of the pieces of um, the deacons or and priest vest when they vest themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Archdeacon, I thought maybe you could explain uh, more fully what is behind each of the vestments. I'm happy to do that, Susan. Thank you. Um, first of all, we must remember that the vestments are only important if they bring honor and glory to Almighty God. And so we gather as the people of God uh, to worship the Lord. If we remember from the book of Exodus, Moses is sent by God to Pharaoh to say, Hear what the Lord saith, let my people go. Why? Notice that it's not firstly so that uh, because slavery is wrong, let my people go. Why? Because slavery is wrong. Or why? These are God's people and you are holding them in bondage or because they're, they're not being treated fairly. But primarily, they are, uh, God rather sends Moses to Pharaoh to command that the people be let go, that they may be free. Free to do what? Worship the Lord. To worship the Lord God. And so worship is truly the most important thing, I believe, that we can do and as God's people. We gather to worship God and then everything flows from our worship life in the Lord. And I believe that we are most free when we gather to worship the Lord and we worship Him as God's people. The very first vestment is called the alb. And the alb 
is uh, a, a long white garment, and um, it alb actually is Latin for white. So when people say, "What color is your white?" Uh, "What color is your alb?" That's kind of like asking, "What color is George Washington's white horse?" The answer, of course, is white. Um, and so the alb is a long white uh, garment, and it represents um, two things. It represents the uh, the bishops, the priests, or the deacons. Um, or anyone who's really wearing an alb, it represents their membership in the church as the body of Christ. It is the wedding garment received when we are baptized into Christ Jesus and are washed in his blood. Um, if, if I had my uh, way, uh, everyone who came into the church would come in wearing an alb. Not only those serving around the altar, but all of God's people. Because we are baptized into Christ and we become a member of his church, which is the bride of Christ. We are joined in a very intimate and personal way with Christ. And we become the bride. Uh, and so the alb represents the wedding garment received. And I want to just turn here now from Exodus to Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 14. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14. Or actually, I'm going to start at verse 13, Revelation uh, 7, 13. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, and this is John to whom the elder is speaking, Who are these clothed in white robes? And whence have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night within his temple. And then it goes on. And so you see the context here is that of worship. Uh, they worship before the very throne of God, and they have been made white in the, the Lamb's blood. They've been washed in the blood of, of Christ. And then also, um, it says in Revelation, in verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no man could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And so uh, they were clothed in albs, in white robes, because we are as the church, the bride of Christ. And then Galatians chapter 3 Verse 27, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. So Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And also the color for Christ is, is white because he is the spotless lamb of God. And so the first thing we put on is the alb. And the alb represents the 
our membership in the church as the body of Christ. It is the wedding garment received when we are baptized into Christ Jesus and are washed in the blood of Jesus. Um, and it's also a reminder that the, uh, particularly for the clergy, whether it's a bishop or a priest or a deacon, that they, uh, although they represent Christ in a very special way, not by any worthiness of their own, but by the grace and mercy of, of God, um, that they are also part of the church, part of the body of Christ. They are part of the redeemed, those who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so uh, a priest uh, is, is no greater or holier than anyone else. He stands at the altar only because, like everyone else in the body of Christ, he's been washed in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus. I wish the Salvation Army was here to start singing uh, nothing but the blood. Uh, but the priest is, like every other sinner, uh, redeemed, washed in the blood of Christ. And so he does not enter into the, the house of God to lead the worship of God's people before the throne of God um, because of any worthiness of his own, but because of what Christ has done. It's not what the priest does, it's what Christ has done. It's a visible, tangible reminder. It is, it is. And, and we need that. I mean, I, I think as God's people, we need tangible reminders of things. They help to refocus our hearts. And we must remember that for most of church history, and still in many places of, in the world today, people were and are illiterate. And so how was the gospel conveyed? We, we must remember before the printing press, very few people ever had a copy of the Holy Scriptures. And if they did, it was highly unlikely that they could read it unless they were uh, um, uh, educated uh, in those languages. And so um, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ was conveyed to people. It was proclaimed um, uh, through things that were tangible, through things that you could see, through things that you could touch, through things you could taste, um, through... Uh, icons and through vestments and through later on through stained glass and but also through liturgical movement how we did things in worship and we'll get into that in another teaching but also by what Christians would wear um, probably your first Bible if you received it as a child was a Bible in pictures um, why because a picture conveys a thousand words and so it is. It's part of, uh, the, the, um, of proclaiming Christ not only within our hearts, but also to see, touch, smell, taste, uh, and hear the gospel, the good news which is ours in, in Jesus Christ. I think a fuller understanding of the um, importance of knowing the tradition and symbolism of this has been lost. So I think this teaching uh, will be, is very appropriate and going to be very helpful in recovering an understand, a fuller understanding of the importance of vestments and symbols in the church today. I agree. And I, I believe that really, um, you know, I, I go to other churches and they'll say, well, don't, don't bring any vestments. You know, we're very casual here. And I think to myself, you know, and I respect that point of view. There's something beautiful in simplicity as well. But also, I think there's nothing casual 
about the worship of Almighty God. In fact, whenever God reveals heavenly worship, it's always in great detail. Um, and these details are, are very important because they proclaim something beyond themselves. They point to God. But also the vestments are meant not to glorify the priest or the bishop or the deacon or whoever else is wearing the vestment, but rather to de-emphasize them and to emphasize Christ. If I come in wearing, uh, you, you know, uh, some fancy duds and I, I don some fancy apparel, or as it says in uh, the Christmas carol, don we now are gay apparel. Uh, if I come in with something like that, uh, you know, I might, someone may say, wow, look at Father Michael. He, he really looks uh, great in that, uh, that suit that he's wearing. Uh, well, probably no one would say that except my wife and maybe my mother. But, but anyway, um, uh, you know, it's really about me. But if I come in wearing these vestments, they are meant to proclaim something about Christ and about what we are doing. They're meant to de-emphasize the person and to emphasize what it is that we are doing as the church in worshiping God. And it, it's not supposed to reflect the world. It's supposed to be an opportunity to step out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary, out of our everyday life, and into the presence of God in a special, a special way. Right, and I think the colors and the beauty of the vestments um, just really proclaim the holiness of, of our God. And as you say, it's not just a casual time. Um, and I think entering into that holiness and righteousness demand symbols and vestments to help pull us out of the world which is so very with us. And when we come in, it just is a very visible reminder for all of us. Um, Absolutely. Signs and symbols are very important. If you think of, this is an example I use a, a lot because I, I think people can really relate to it. If, if I were to get into an argument with my wife, Christine, and of course that never happens, uh, if we were to get into an argument and I was to lose my mind for a moment and say, that's it, I've had it, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do this anymore, we're done. Um, what has more of an impact? Those spoken words or not saying anything but removing my wedding ring and throwing it down and bouncing it off the table? Well, the latter, the latter is, has a much greater impact. Um, it's, it's much more shocking. Um, and of course, while we can be forgiven for anything, uh, it, it might take a few more flowers and candy if I did that than even to say, I'm sorry about those words. I didn't mean those words. Why? Because there's such great power in symbol, uh, symbolism and even greater in, in signs. And that's why after the, the, the alb is put on, the white wedding garment, the next thing that is put on is the cincture. Now, cincture is a, a, a fancy way of referring to the rope that we put on. And we put on the rope, uh, secondly, the cincture. And it represents that the priest is someone who is under authority. The priest has no authority of his own. The priests, if they have any authority, it's because, as the Bible says, the Word of God says, authority comes from God. 
Um, and so the priest is under authority, and the authority that the priest is under is the authority of God himself and that of his word. The word of God is the, is the authority in the church, and the priest serves the authority of God's word. And so the cincture he puts on is a reminder that he is someone under authority. He is bound by his vows because he's given his life over to Jesus as a servant of the servants of God. Um, we must remember that the authority of, of the, the clergy is that of Christ, and Christ does not lord his authority over, though he has a right to, um, but rather he, he leads by example and through humility and by coming not to be served, as the word of God says, but to serve. And so the authority of the clergy is that of Christ's, which is a, a servant's authority. They are the servant of the servants of God. They are to lead by example. As Christ was first to forgive, so the priests within the church family must be first to, to uh, forgive and to also seek forgiveness when they offend. Um, uh, as Christ first loved the church, so the priest must be the first to show that love of Christ to the people of Christ in the church um, and uh, to share the good news of, of Jesus. In, in, many way, in many ways, because they are the icon of Christ, in a special way, they, they um, act in the place of Christ as groom uh, within the church, which is the bride of Christ. And so they must be, as, as the groom is in, in, uh, in a marriage, the first to say, I love you, the first to grant forgiveness, the first to seek forgiveness, the first to call the family to worship. And so that's part of what it means. And so the, the, the priest, the bishop, the deacon puts on the cincture as someone who is bound. They are under vows to Christ as the servants of Christ and as the servants of the servants of God. Um, he is not his own, but belongs to Christ and his church. I've come not to be served, but to serve. Again, it's another symbol of the priest and deacon's willingness to be submissive right. to Christ. Right. How can we call God's people to be submissive in a godly way to our Lord and to his word if we uh, are, are not submissive, first of all, to the Lord and to his word? And so part of the ways that we lead is by being an example uh, of, of servant ministry within the church. We are people who are bound. We are bound by an authority, and that's the authority of our God and the authority of his word, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, uh, which has been entrusted uh, to us. This uh, leads us to the, the third um, vestment that the, the bishop, priest, or deacon puts on, and that is the stole. Uh, the stole represents Christ having put on our human nature. We remember that, that Christ is God. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He is God the Son. He is the Son of the Father. But God has entered into his creation in the person of Jesus. He has taken on the yoke of humanity. God has put on humanity. 
And when we receive Christ, we put on Christ. And so we place the stole over us. It's a reminder that Christ came into this world. God himself, Emmanuel, God with us, has come into this world and has taken on humanity. And he has taken humanity on his shoulders. I, I was just sharing with my mother yesterday one of the verses in that beautiful hymn, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm paraphrasing here because I may not get it exactly, but uh, perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but in his love he sought me and on his shoulders gently laid, rejoicing home he brought me. It's just a, an incredibly moving verse, but it's a reminder that Jesus uh, has taken, he who is the Lamb of God has taken us, the sheep, upon his, he's also the shepherd, he's placed us around his, his neck, on his shoulders, gently laid to lead us home. And so the, the stole represents the Christ having put on humanity. And so we put this on as a reminder of the incarnation. And it's also a sign of the priest's authority, again, by the grace of God given him an ordination, not by any worthiness of his own. Um, the priest has no worthiness of his own. It's only the righteousness of Christ. Um, but it, it also represents that uh, the priest's authority to preach the word of God and to administer the holy sacraments, um, holy baptism, holy communion, the Lord's Supper. Um, it's a sign of his liturgical ministry in the sanctuary. And so that's what the stole represents. And the stole is a, um, a thin uh, cloth that is laid over the bishop's shoulders, over the priest's shoulders, or over the deacon's shoulders. And these are different colors for the different seasons. Yes, yeah. The, each color also is a proclamation white, which is uh, worn uh, at uh, Christmas time in the Christmas season, and then the Easter season represents the victory of our God and the purity of Christ as the spotless Lamb of God who has called us as his people to be his bride and calls us to himself to celebrate the wedding banquet, which is the, the Holy Eucharist. Um, and so it, it represents the purity of Christ. We have no purity of our own, but thanks be to God, we are washed in the blood of Jesus. This goes back to the alb. We're washed in the blood of the lamb, and we are made white as uh, in him. Uh, red represents two things. It may represent the, if it's a dark red, a blood red, it represents the blood of Jesus in the passion. It's known as passion red. And it's often worn throughout Holy Week or on the day when we commemorate a martyr um, who has made Jesus known by their laying down their life. Um, and so the passion red represents the blood of Jesus, which of course makes us white, which is why Holy Week precedes the Easter week. Uh, the, by being washed in the blood red, we then put on the white of the lamb. Um, uh, also uh, green, which represents new life in Christ. Uh, and the, the green pastures, we think of Psalm 23, uh, that uh, he lays us down in green pastures. He's our shepherd, and we are his, his flock. We are his people. 
Purple is also a royal color. It, it also uh, Christ being uh, wrapped in his passion in purple. When they mocked him, they didn't realize that indeed he is the king of glory. When they mocked him as king, uh, they were really uh, robing the true king of glory in an appropriate color. And so each color represents something uh, about who Christ is and what he has done. Because all, everything in the church, it's not what we have done. It's what he has done. It's about, it's about him. And so the stole um, uh, will have different colors. And so will the chasuble. That's the next um, vestment that the, the uh, bishop or priest will put on. And it represents the glory of Christ as the high priest. There's really only one true priest, and that is Jesus Christ. He is in heaven in the Holy of Holies, uh, standing be uh, before the throne of his Father as the great high priest, as it says in Hebrews, and is uh, beseeching his Father on our behalf. He is the one high priest. Uh, but each priest is ordained to participate in that one priesthood of Christ in a special way through the grace of God given unworthily to the priest. And so they participate in that special way. And so they put on the chasuble because it represents not them and not the glory of their priesthood, but the glory of the one true priesthood, which is Christ's priesthood. So it's meant really to de-emphasize the individual and to glorify and to emphasize Christ as our priest, our high priest. He is the one who ministers before the throne of our Father. In Psalm 93, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed, he is girded with strength, uh, which is a beautiful verse. And then the, um, the last uh, vestment, which sadly you don't see in many churches anymore, is the maniple. And it's a, a, a small vestment that is worn around the, the wrist, and it represents the servant's towel. If you remember at the Last Supper when Christ instituted the sacrament of his body and blood, he also uh, washed their feet. And it's a reminder that each bishop and priest is also a deacon. And of course, deacons are deacons. And so they wear the maniple as a reminder that they are servants of God, that they come not to, to be served, but to serve. And if our God will humble himself and serve at the feet of, of the least, then who is any bishop, priest, or deacon to think that he is above his master. And so just as his master serves, so the bishop, priest, and deacon serves as a servant. And so the maniple represents the servant's towel that Jesus placed over his arm when he knelt down to wash the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper. So each of these vestments really proclaim a great deal. We, could, we, we only have this half hour, but we could spend hours talking about each, each one and what they represent and what they proclaim uh, to the people who, who gather. Because it's really Christ who ministers among us. 
Christ uh, not only was Emmanuel, God with us, that's what Emmanuel means, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us until the end of time. He is the one who ministers uh, with us and among us um, when we gather as the body of Christ, the bride of Christ for the wedding banquet who, with the groom who is Christ himself. I think this is, has been very helpful and beneficial for me um, to have a, a, a fuller understanding of all of the vestments and I think it will also help me worship more fully on Sundays when I understand what all, all each piece of the vesting is um, and the importance of it to the priest or deacon as yeah. they vest. And also, I, I think you usually vest together. Um, yeah. I think that that's a very important part also. Each of you is vesting before each other and reminding each other of who you are in Christ. And I, I hope that this teaching will help people to appreciate um, the fullness of our traditions and the liturgy and the symbolism that we have and to help us come into a fuller relationship with a loving, holy God. Amen. And that's what matters most. Vestments do not make worship valid. They are meant to be a tool for evangelism and proclamation of the good news, which is ours in Jesus. If you who are listening to this have any questions, please feel free to call our church, Holy Trinity Anglican Church in Marlboro, Massachusetts at 508-481-8493 because we're happy to serve you as servants of God and of his people. God's peace. Amen.